listen, same vision is for equal rights and justice for the people, them. What's happening to this beautiful world that we're living in? World citizen, lift up your voices. Welcome. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the People Powered Planet podcast. Each Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock Pacific, we have extraordinary guests. Uh, not just talking about all the problems in the world, because there are so many people telling you every day an overwhelming number of problems. But we focus on solutions. We bring key solutionaries who are helping to enlighten and enliven and to bring our world into the light. <laughs> and this, uh, this day, today we have a very special guest, Mike Caruso, who uh, heads the District uh, 5100 Peace Builder Clubs. Uh, he's where he's been their director of, of the club. He's been uh, uh, the pre- he served with the Peace Corps with the Aboriginal tribes in Malaysia and uh, working with 16 tribes there on tuberculosis and really, uh, really being way out there in the Peace Corps with right right with these people who really need it. Uh, he also worked with Oregon Common Cause and he was a, a chairperson of their outreach uh, and. He worked with Rotary Foundation's major matching grant process, and he got 10 hands-on projects sponsored by Rotary in Guatemala, and things that actually made uh, in key infrastructure changes between people, water and electric and education that then blossomed and grew into so much more for the people there than you know just handouts. Instead of handouts, he's, uh, he's helping them uh, build the things they want from the ground up and moving up. Now, he's also worked in Cyprus and Israel and Palestine. He was telling us some exciting things about his work there. Uh, uh, and he's a recipient of the Rotary Foundation's Meritorious Service Award for Service Above Self. Uh, so now, without further ado, uh, let me introduce you to Mike. And let Mike tell us just a little bit about, uh, many people think of Rotary, that many people think, oh, Rotary, this is this service club. And there's people who are very active for peace. And many of them aren't connected with Rotary. They don't realize how much Rotary is a, is a key organization for reaching out for a peaceful world. Uh, tell us a little bit more about your connection to Rotary and how you got into peace building and how Rotary is, how, how, how fundamental is the peace cause to Rotary? Thank you, Arthur. Thank you for having me. Um, it's kind of interesting the way I learned about Rotary I just heard about it, and all I knew was that there was a group that uh, businessmen that had lunch. And um, in 1985, that changed. The, the Supreme Court made an edict that they had to allow women. And so I became Rotarian in 2001. I got invited to my first meeting and, by my daughter, who was a member of the Rotary Club. And uh, she was a veterinarian. And uh, so she invited me to this lunch and uh, very friendly people, uh, but I was looking around and um, sitting next to a dentist and the president of the university, uh, the local university was a member of the club and the director of the hospital and the police chief and the fire chief and attorneys and doctors. And I looked around and saw these were all real friendly people, but this is not the crowd I associate with. I sold produce all my life. So I said, well, it's a nice group, but okay. So the next week, my daughter calls me up and said, would you like to come to our Rotary meeting again? So I wasn't sure if she had maybe forgotten that I just was there the week before. But anyway, I said yes and had another real pleasant meeting. And then the third week, I figured uh, something must be up. (laughs) Sure enough, they were having a membership drive. So I figured maybe I better look into this organization, see what it's about. And I did. And I noticed that they had a... Um, emphasis on peace, which really surprised me. You know, I saw that it was um, mainly made up of businessmen, uh, community leaders, business leaders. And I thought this, you know, when I was in college, I was uh, active and protesting against the Vietnam War. And um, of course, the Peace Corps experience and all that. So I kind of thought the last place I would uh, begin this part of my life would be with a group of business people. But anyway, I joined in. I, I identify with you. I had the same, the same reaction, the same original concept. You know, like you said, these are businessmen who have lunch. 
And then I found out, wow, this is a really key group for building peace around the world. So, so continue with, with the Rotary Peace Movement. So I, I kind of jumped in with both feet. Um, I joined in 2001, and then in 2005, six year, I served as a club president. And uh, after that, I looked at you know how the organization was structured. And if you really want to get your voice heard, you had to kind of see how far you could go in the, the line of leadership. So I served as a couple of committee chairs, and then I was an assistant to the governor for a couple of years, and then I was asked to be the administrative assistant, which means I kind of controlled all of the governors, and then I applied for um, the governor himself. And um, shockingly, um, it was not the first try, the second year I tried, I was selected. And so um, <clears throat> the process of training was pretty phenomenal. They, um, they have a very, very extensive uh, area. There's 24 districts on the West Coast. So 24 district governors are trained at the same time. You're governor for one year. And during this training, uh, we just found out, we learned about public speaking. I'd never done any public speaking before. And you have governor-elect training and governor-nominee training. And then the final training is held, or was held up until this year in San Diego. And you have one week where all of the incoming governors-elect, 530 from all over the world, come together and you share your experiences with your Rotary District, how Rotary is run. And I was in a group, they break you into groups of 25 or so, and they're all different every time, all throughout the week. And you share your experiences and you talk about, you know, at the end of your year, you celebrate with a district conference. And, and you have a big exchange, most districts have a big exchange program. And I said, in, in lieu of this exchange program, my district's going to have a peace conference at the end of our year. Mm, good. And the people, uh, that's so good, because that's <laughs> one of my first introductions was to a Rotary Peace Conference. So go ahead. <laughs> well, this was in 2011, January of 2011. And um, people looked at me either like I wasn't there or like I had rocks in my head. But basically <laughs> that I didn't really understand Rotary. You don't. You don't do peace conferences in Rotary. You have exchange programs and so on and so forth. And I thought this was, this just really stayed with me, the, the response of my fellow classmates uh, from all over the world, whether they were from the U.S. or from India or Australia or England. They just um, kind of the impression, this guy doesn't get Rotary. He doesn't know what's going on. But anyway, I, I got over that, had our peace conference. It was very successful. We had... Uh, so military people, we had Nobel Peace Laureates, we had Rotary Peace Fellows, and um, it was put together by some university professors and Peace Fellows and, and was very, very successful. So um, that's kind of how my introduction went from just joining Rotary because I had a focus on peace and then becoming a district governor where actually people started to listen to you, not because you were a PhD or a master of this or whatever, but because you had um, in the Rotary world past district governor in front of your name. Yes. Yeah. So now, what do the peace builder clubs do? Uh, you, uh, you mentioned, I mean, how do you, you build peace? Many people think you make peace. What are the, what are the, what are the building blocks for peace? <laughs> well, <clears throat> that idea came about actually the year before I became governor the Rotary instituted what was called Peace Builder Districts after they started the Rotary Peace Centers. And the Rotary Peace Centers, um, the Rotary International offers a fellowship for a master's degree in peace and conflict resolution at uh, five different universities from around the world. And they also offer a certificate um, degree, which is a shorter program for people who pretty much have their vocation already determined and that's a one-year process now. It used to be three months, but university in um, Thailand and one in um, Kampala, Uganda, offer the certificate programs. So to help finance this, they've always asked for donations to the peace centers, but districts can help finance this if they offer $25,000 a year, they become a peace builder district, and this supports the Rotary Peace Fellow Program. 
And so we became a peace builder district in January of 2011. And that's a pretty good chunk of, of the budget you have to work with every year. In our district, it's about $200,000. So 25% is about, or 25,000 is about 12 and a half percent or whatever. And um, <clears throat> when we were explaining this to the Rotary Clubs that we were now a peace builder district, after one of the meetings, some Rotarians came up and said, well, we're a peace builder district. Can we be peace builder clubs? And, um, you know, get a focus of peace around our clubs. And I thought that was very interesting. I talked to past governors and past um, leaders in Rotary and our director from California checked with the people in Evanston and this had never been posed to them, Peace Builder Clubs. So they said, well, go ahead and we'll let you know if you step on any toes or cross any boundaries and you know, start your Peace Builder Clubs. So we had to figure out what we were gonna do as Peace Builder Clubs. <clears throat> so the first and foremost thing we thought was to support the Rotary Peace Centers, whether it would be by identifying applicants to apply to the fellowship or financially. And so this was one of the first criteria we'd have for peace builder clubs. And the next, of course, would be to learn about Rotary's history of peace, which very, very few Rotarians know about. And it goes all the way back to the, to the 1910s, 1920s, shortly after Rotary became an organization. And now I knew about Rotary being, playing a key role in the founding of the UN uh, and that Rotarians were a key part of that, but I didn't know that they were also involved in peacemaking in the First World War. Tell me about that. Well, they supported the idea of the League of Nations, <clears throat> which of course never, never took hold in the U.S. because uh, Congress wouldn't allow, it was Wil Wilson's idea, as everybody knows. But, you know, by uh, the way, before you jump off of that, you, you've seen our film, The World is My Country, and in it, uh, you know, you see that incredible scene with, uh, with, with, with both Truman uh, talking about uh, the key to peace after World War II, but also uh, Winston Churchill, one of the key, we think of as architects of World War II, and he actually makes the extraordinary statement that that war that has so devastated the, the world never had to happen, that it could have been stopped without a single shot being fired and that we would have a peaceful and, and democratic Germany today, rather than, you know, the, the, the concentration camps wouldn't have happened. None of that would have happened. Uh, and when you, when you read his writings, why he says that wouldn't have happened, it was basically if the League of Nations had been able to create enforceable world law. So he was very much behind that idea. And, you know, that seems to be one of the key things that, that Gary Davis, of course, was talking about. How do we create enforceable world law at the global level. I mean, if the architect, of the, or not architect, but the, 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 the key warrior says we didn't have to fight that war if we'd had some kind of world law. Uh, how can moving toward world law be a key part of what Rotary is working for? They play the key role with the League of Nations. They play the key role in starting the United Nations. What can they do now to shift the situation where we have a world where people have no say at the global level? Yes, you have this club of nations, but each one has national sovereignty, as Gary talks about. And there's no people's parliament, no, uh, no popular way that people can vote for world global leaders. How, is there a potential that Rotary could now be shifted, maybe with the help of our movie and other things, shifted to actually begin to move toward the next big leap, from, from the League of Nations to the United Nations to a world where we have a people-powered planet? Yeah, that's a great... Um process that you're talking about and and I, I do believe that that this is possible I mean all through our founder Paul Harris uh, who founded Rotary International founded Rotary in, in 1905 it became Rotary International in 1910 um, <clears throat> one of his statements was the road to war is a well-paved highway the road to peace is a wilderness and he always talked about if people would sit down and talk and discuss things rather than just yell at each other. When you sit down and, 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 and share a cup of tea or coffee or a meal with somebody and, and know them as a person, because when we just see people as objects, it's very easy to hate. And when we see them as people, it's very difficult. So this has kind of been the, the philosophy of Rotary and the idea of Rotary and the success, I believe, of, of Rotary at an international level. Wow. 
mentioned that uh, they have every three years what's called a Council on Legislation. It's held in Chicago and they invite each district. There's 530 districts in the over 200 countries and geographical regions where Rotary exists around the world. And each district sends a representative and they update the rules and regulations of Rotary International. It's called Council on Legislation. And I had the honor to represent my district there in 2016. And I remember then we had uh, one of the topics, of course, eradicating polio has been the prime objective of Rotary since 1985 when they began this. And they've always had this in the forefront. They've got it down to two countries. Um, Afghanistan and Pakistan are the only countries left that have cases of the wild polio virus. And so we're 99.5 or 0.7% cured from the planet. And so this is the directive that they are putting all of their influence and resources right now. But there was an interesting item on the Council on Legislation of 2016 was the environment, climate change, global warming, whatever you want to call it. So there were three enactments and two resolutions on climate change. And the enactments and the resolutions were shut down virtually immediately. There was no discussion. They were either tabled or withdrawn. And I was incredibly frustrated. Um, <clears throat> I just uh, had lost a lot of confidence in Rotary, I guess you might say. But after that 2016 experience, two years later, we had a president who came from Australia, Ian Risley. And he convened <clears throat> six peace conferences. He was a huge promoter, always is a huge promoter of peace. And he had, the Rotary has six areas of focus, one being peace, one being disease prevention, one being maternal and child health care, another one is water and sanitation, education literacy, and economic development. So they had a conference for each of these areas of focus, and he added a sixth one, the environment and peace. And that was held in Vancouver, British Columbia in 2018. So we went- yeah, from, I was at that one, yep. From <laughs> I was at that one and that was very powerful, yes. Yes, it was. And <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> so they had this uh, peace conference, very well received. And um, just last year, the directors and the trustees of Rotary International made a decision at their annual meeting <clears throat> that they were going to make a seventh area of focus. And that was going to be the environment. <clears throat> and that will take effect July 1st of 2021. So it has gone from in 2016, not even being um, a topic of conversation, to four years later, one of the main areas of focus of the entire organization. Wow. That's terrific to see that kind of a shift. Uh, you know, we have seen that kind of shift in growth in Rotary over the years. You mentioned excluding women, and then, of course, women taking leadership roles. Now, um, on the lines of what you're mentioning, uh, we have a new uh, Rotary International president-elect. You get to serve in that position, I guess, for a year before you become president, and you go through the training. And our new uh, president-elect uh, is Shekhar Mehta. Uh, and on November 28th, this coming Saturday, at, uh, well, at 7 p.m. IST, Indian Standard Time. But uh, for the, us, I think it's, uh, uh, I think it's like 5.30 Pacific. I'm gonna have to set my alarm. But for people on the East Coast, that's not bad. Uh, they get the, uh, what, 8.30 is not <laughs> Yeah, and uh, uh, it'll be very interesting. Uh, do you have any feeling for uh, how likely he is to move in a direction of, of saving the of saving the planet from from what I call ecocide and and and, and nucicide. Uh, you know, right now France just declared that ecocide is a crime in France, and ecocide, of course, means killing the very environment that sustains life on this planet. If we kill our environment, we kill everything. So that's like the ultimate crime, ecocide. But also, I made up the term nucicide because if we if we if we set off even a small percentage of our nukes. Uh, even even a, a, a small nuclear war like between India and Pakistan would throw so much debris 
more debris than wiped out the dinosaurs into the air and would wipe out species as well. So faced with these twin air e evils, do you think that our new Rotary International President, uh, Met President Meta, will take a leadership role in this area? I really do. Um, one thing relating to the story I just told you about the Council on Legislation and the Environment. A few years ago, and I see Dr. Richard Denton is on the call, his Rotary Club and I believe one on the east coast of the U.S. and one in um, one of the Scandinavian countries, they um, agreed to sign on to support of ICANN, the International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons. Now, the leadership of Rotary International said, now this is a no-no, you do not join or affiliate yourself with other organizations. This is getting political and Rotary does not do politics and you could lose your charter with this. And <clears throat> so this is just a few years ago. Now this year, uh, the 75th anniversary of the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, there was a Rotary a um, podcast and it was about Rotary and nuclear weapons and abolition of nuclear weapons. And on that call was uh, Rotary International President-elect Shekhar Mehta. And <clears throat> so they were started talking about, you know, nuclear weapons and ICANN and whatnot. And, you know, you're kind of expecting a little bit of maybe admonishment coming. And so President-elect Mehta got on the line and he said, I think it is definitely time that Rotary has the conversation regarding nuclear weapons and what mm -hmm. they can do. So here again, in, in the space of just a few years, when you know, clubs are talked about talking about losing their accreditation as a Rotary club, mm -hmm. to saying it's time, you know. So Rotary moves maybe not as fast as we would like, but compared to some governments, I would call it pretty much lightning speed. Wow, cool. <laughs> that makes me, makes me very happy to be uh, in the Rotary E-Club of World Peace. And I think everyone on this call already knows about that, yes. But they probably don't know and that and if anybody wants, just email me uh, or Melanie can send out the uh, invitation for uh, uh, Shekhtar Mehta to get to talk to him directly. And it would be great in that call. Uh, they actually, it, it, it's a, a uh, it's part of the Diwali celebration, so I think it's supposed to be uplifting, fairly spiritual, not just a, a regular Zoom a talk back and forth, uh, but uh, properly worded, you can put in uh, questions and so on in advance uh, in that form when you apply, and I think asking him about uh, saving the world from from uh, nuclear war uh, would be a good thing to talk about, what do you see as next steps. To me, the key question, let me ask you this. Uh, it is now illegal to not only use nuclear weapons, which were already illegal, uh, but now it's also illegal to transport, make, uh, uh, assist in any way the production of nuclear weapons. And yet many corporations like Honeywell and others who make some of the components of nuclear weapons also have consumer products and other things. Uh, do you see some ways that uh, we can begin to evolve uh, uh, and this is the kind of thing we've had an interest in is, is you know, kind of people-powered enforcement. I mean, having, because what happens is all the countries that have signed it, uh, of course, are legally about, bound by it. But the nuclear, actual nuclear nations haven't signed it. And yet, even though the nations, for instance, making a uh, lot of chemical weapons may have not signed it or making uh, the, uh, the, the landmines hadn't signed it because all the others made it illegal and they couldn't manufacture and transport it, they kind of fizzled out. Could we do the same thing and kind of uh, pull the rug out from under nukes? Not necessarily by, uh, by uh, top down, but you know, from the bottom up, from people being involved. I think that's the way it has to happen. Um, you know, with the, with the landmine treaty, um, like you say, you had all these nations signing on. The U.S. didn't sign on because uh, typically the United States doesn't sign treaties. Um, but they quit producing landmines. And, and I think this is um, 
it'll probably take somewhat longer with the nuclear weapon because you have so many um, so many countries opposed, but you have these nine very stubborn countries with nuclear weapons that <clears throat> I don't know if they're fearful that if they gave them up that uh, someone would attack them or whatever whatever their um, psychological reasoning is. But I think the more countries that sign on, we've got we just got enough to make it law now. Is it another 60 days before it becomes law? Yeah, it, 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 it will become law, despite the fact that the U.S. tried to get twist arms for nations to withdraw. It is in 60 days going to be law. Yeah, so um, the more countries that sign on, the more pressure there's going to be. And I think there's a lot to be said for peer pressure. And uh, I think it's probably just going to take one country to one of the nuclear armed countries to um, acknowledge this and uh, you know like South Africa how they got rid of their nuclear weapons and and um, I think there's um, a really really I mean it's hopeful now I'm just curious do you think they're going to be moving the clock the, nu the doomsday clock back a few seconds now because uh, It'll be interesting to see what the bulletin of atomic scientists come up with. We, of course, have moved to the closest ever, 100 seconds before midnight. And although, um, you know, I was very frightened in the previous administration of, of, of an irrational, you know, Kennedy, President Kennedy warned that we were, that humanity was hanging under the slenderest, uh, 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 slenderest of threads, a sword hanging by slenderest threads over our heads, capable of being cut by accident, miscalculation, or madness. Well, I was afraid of the latter, but I'm not unafraid anymore because uh, I mean, I'm not I'm not feeling safe anymore because even the new administration, they were also very involved in this billion dollar buildup uh, and the previous administration and his the things he supported the billion dollar uh, buildup of nuclear weapons. Uh, how much does he is it the economics that plays the role in this and how much could Rotarians you talked about having influence and touching, reaching out to other people. How could businessmen in Rotarians reach out to businessmen who are in the nuclear business and say, "Hey, come on, there's more, more, more. This is illegal. Why don't you get on board with a with a more lucrative uh, way of doing business that helps the planet?" Yeah, I think, I think it's it's it's. The way I see the election, at least now we have an opportunity to have the conversation. Absolutely. For the past four years, we haven't even. But I think the work is just beginning. If you don't yeah. mind, I'd like to, to read um, just a short statement that Medea ben Benjamin from Code Pink made this morning. Oh, please. Democracy Now! on the um, possible appointment of Michelle Flournoy to the uh, head of the Defense Department. There's some division within Biden's people on this right now. <clears throat> Michelle represents the epitome of what is worst about the Washington blob, the military industrial complex's revolving door. Her whole history has been one of going in and out of the Pentagon, first under President Clinton, then under President Obama, where she su supported every war that the U.S. engaged in and supported increases in the military budget and then used her contacts in government in those kind of hawkish think tanks that she either joined or helped create. She sits on the board of a corporation that works with defense contractors. She herself has made a lot of money by parlaying these insider contacts into positioning companies to be able to get these very plush Pentagon contracts. She also sees China as an enemy that has to be confronted with higher tech weapons which justifies increased Pentagon spending and puts us on a dangerous path of an increased Cold War with China. So these are just some of the reasons we think she would be a disastrous pick as Secretary of Defense. Wow. But at yeah, least, that's scary. <laughs> at least I think we can give opinions now, whereas before we had to just sit and take whatever was dished out. So how can people right now begin to impact that? Because I think that's the one slot uh, that uh, I think it's hopeful that Biden's left that open in the defense area. Uh, how can we weigh in for uh, uh, for avoiding a candidate that will put us onto an even uh, a less crazy sounding and yet just as dangerous uh, war footing, if not more dangerous? I think we just need we need to <clears throat> write letters. 
um, and try to influence people that can influence people. And, and you know, it, it starts from the bottom and has to work its way up. It's uh, obviously going top down can be a disaster. <laughs> So uh, whatever we can do, whoever we know, um, our senators, our congresspeople, um, letting them know <clears throat> just our, our, our opinion of what's happening. Because I do think that there is at least a sense that they are listening to some of what we're saying. I remember President Obama saying, now, now that I'm here, you need to make me act. Exactly. <clears throat> I think we just kind of sat back and just took in the fresh air and uh, had a disastrous result after his second term in office. Right. That, that's, that's so dangerous, that sitting back. And President Kennedy said the same thing. Uh, uh, David Hartso, a friend of mine, was part of meetings with, uh, I believe he, he, was, he was involved with the, uh, he met with Women's Strike for Peace and other peace, peace leaders uh, when they were doing the nuclear test ban. And he said, you know, I'm all for what you're doing, now make me do it. Mm -hmm. uh, and he and they did, and we got the nuclear test ban. But even if the president's heart is that he wants to do this, uh, if the only forces being mobilized are those behind uh, a, a secretary of defense that's all military-industrial complex supporting everything that'll build up those weapons, and that's the thing that Eisenhower warned us would destroy would destroy our economy and our country, our country really. Uh, if that's the only voice weighing in, we're doomed. So if we sit back and enjoy the fresh air and say the problem's over, uh, we could be in trouble, right? Oh, very much so. It's just, uh, we, we have to exercise our rights as uh, citizens. And uh, I, I really think this was something that was denied to us for the last four years. Mm -hmm. And now that we have this opportunity, um, we, we can't, can't let it go. And I, I have tremendous faith in the younger people. I think that they're, they're, uh, they're doing what needs to be done. Um, I look at our generation and see some of the people we've produced and it's pretty embarrassing. <laughs> and you see people like uh, Greta Thunberg and, um, and these other young leaders, these people uh, marching for Black Lives Matter and you know, changing they're working on changing the system from the ground up, like I said. And um, I believe that if they make enough noise, they will be listened to. And so I, I'm very hopeful for the younger generation. Well, I really, really appreciate that. And I'm wondering if there's something we can contribute. I did produce a movie with the Center for Defense Information, retired admirals and generals speaking out for peace, uh, hosted by Paul Newman called War Without Winners. Have you seen that yet? I don't think I've seen that one. Okay, if you go to warwithoutwinners.com, you know, that's what a nuclear war is, a war without winners. Just go to warwithoutwinners.com. It's only 28 minutes. You'll see Paul Newman introducing it. Uh, if, if you can think of any way that we can uh, update that, in fact, our editor is, is, is willing to, we wanted to add a, another key update interview or something at the end, not, not much, but we wanted to do a little tinkering with it and get it out more widely, or make it a fundraiser for groups uh, uh, like, uh, you know, uh, well, it was Rotarians for Ban, I guess there's a new name now, but for groups that are working on the nuclear issue, I, I can and others, um, we'd be glad to, to, to contribute this to help, uh, if this will help the conversation with young people. So take a look and invite everybody to see that. Um, is, uh, I think we have some uh, questions I, he I hear. So, uh, I may come back on with you, but let me first turn to the questions. Uh, Melanie, can you take us to the uh, question period a little bit? Oh, and before I do, let me just say, I've been very, very heartened to have you on the show. You've been telling us so many uh, fascinating things about the Rotary role, and you're making me feel very encouraged about working with you uh, to help move Rotary in this direction further. So. Thank you for that. Let me uh, let me now turn it over to questions. Hi, everyone. Thank you, Mike. Wow. Thank you. This is an insight to Rotary, and we appreciate that so much. What an important organization. What an important group of people. So, yes, we have a comment. We have all the way from beautiful Australia. John Hegarty, if you want to go ahead. Thanks, Melanie, and uh, thanks, everyone else. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, that's great. Look, uh, my wife's turning 80 and we, uh, her big uh, 
dream was to somehow contact Antarctica. So last Sunday, we spent five hours actually flying low over Antarctica, part of a 13-hour flight from Sydney, Australia. Wow. Now, the key thing about that is Antarctica, not only the most amazing continent that I'm now researching endlessly, uh, but the key thing is that all the nations who have uh, stations there have agreed that there'll be no war, no uh, active uh, military forces, uh, and many, many other nations have signed that sort of agreement. Um, if, uh, so that uh, somehow I think we can start from there and <laughs> encourage others to do that. Uh, if I may say at the same time, I've been part of one of the smallest Rotary Clubs, the place called Molong. I think we had 11 or 8 members and yet we uh, organised an interaction. I was principal of a school there and we had a team from Japan come every day, every year. And we, in alternate years, our kids and teachers went across there. So let's just say uh, I then went to a, a, a big club at Bar in New South Wales. So uh, thanks to Rotary, thanks to those involved, and particular thanks to uh, The World Is My Country film, which I'm pushing in every way possible. Um, so uh, perhaps that's all just for the moment. Uh, but it's uh, uh, thanks a million to Rotary, of course, who do the most amazing things. Thanks for the well, opportunity. Thank oh, thank you, John. That was beautiful. And he's such an amazing supporter of the film. And uh, we're so lucky to have him on the team. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And now we'd like to go to Barbara. Barbara, would you like to go ahead? We have, um, I have you unmuted. I have your audio or your video on. Let's see if you're unmuted. So Barbara Gahn-Mueller is next. Thank you. I wouldn't have missed Mike for anything, but then I couldn't get him on my iPhone, so I had to go in here and settle up. But anyway, I'll listen to you, the recording, Mike, so that I'll be able to hear your early words. But it takes seven knocks to go from awareness to information and persuasion to do something. And I think most people give up too soon. You just can't offer your advice once and then somebody doesn't listen and then you say, well, they never listen to me. No, you never tell them often enough. Um, Edward Bernays, the founder of Public Relations, says it takes seven knocks to go from awareness to persuasion. Don't give up so early. So that's my comment. And then John asked a question in here. Um, do you think Rotary could have a voice in selecting the new Secretary of Defense? I You didn't ask that question, John, and I thought that was a great question. So Mike, do you think we can have a political voice finally as a Rotarian? Mike? Wow. <laughs> I know, touchy grounds, we got to know yeah. political. Well, you know, from what we've seen, um, <clears throat> it said like, you know, the seven steps, uh, the seven, seven times, uh -huh. you, you have to, you have to keep at it. I mean, we got shot down on the environment in 2016, just absolutely shut down, no discussion, nothing whatsoever. <clears throat> and like I say, I was, I was frustrated and, um, um, but kept with it. And um, <clears throat> if we keep making, what is it? Um, um, have to get in a good, uh, who was John Conyers? No, no, John Lewis's uh, oh, good okay. trouble. We have to be willing to get into good trouble. We have to be willing to say, if people say, hey, you, you might lose your certification or you might do this if you don't shut up and but if we don't shut up and enough of us are doing that, um, it will happen. I don't, <clears throat> I don't know that, you know, Rotary right now, I don't think is in a situ situation where they're going to, um, to make any, any statements to the administration, especially um, given the, the structure of the organization, possibly that can be changed over the years, but, uh, Right now, it, it cannot happen just because of the way the structure is. The structure is pretty, um, oh, I don't even want to say what it is. But what I did was I've been writing to Holger. I just write some, I write him an email. I did a um, piece 
uh, like the Charter for the United Nations, I did a Charter for Peace, and it's very rotary. So I sent it to Hogar. He said, thank you for working for peace. Now I sent him another email. I, I just did a Peace Podcast magazine. I'm sending him the Peace Podcast magazine because in there I'm interviewing Douglas Roach, who just came out with a brand new book, as you probably know, because I sent it to everybody I love, um, on how Biden can take care of nuclear and all the other issues that we're facing right now. I think the book is called Recovery. And if you haven't seen it, it's, it's a paperback book. It's on Amazon. And R Douglas Roach, ambassador, 92 years old now, has just finished this book. Is that coincidence? He has a book for Biden to follow and to do what he needs to do. So we have to be that voice. We have to keep our energy high. We have to keep our, our bodies healthy so we can. You know, um, the only thing I can say is don't give up. Who said that? Winston Churchill, don't give up. When he was doing a keynote address at Harvard, they asked him to give him a keynote address, and he said, I'm going to give you three words, don't give up, and he sat down. Just know what you want to do and don't give up. But the seven steps are really easier now that we have the internet, right, Mike? Oh, yeah, and that we have someone we can talk to, we can complain to with, and get our voices heard. Um, I really do believe that... Um, President-elect Biden does have empathy. Um, I know he is way more middle of the road than many of us would like and, and um, you know, very capitalistic. The about him, the reason I like Biden is because experience-based. He's putting people in the cabinet who are very experienced. The woman he's putting as a UN ambassador is experienced. These are people who are not gonna go in and shoot first and ask questions second. I just wanna know how much I appreciate Mike because Mike has created the Peace Builders Clubs. I'm a member of one, Catherine's on the Rotary E-Club. She's our member. And now we're gonna combine with the United Nations Associations, Mike. You're gonna like that because we have 220 in the United States and probably another 200 around the world. That's it. I just had to say how excited I am to see Mike and Melanie and Arthur again. Well, thank you. Thank you, Barbara. That, that's, I love your energy. And um, yes, we, just, uh, we can do this. We can do this. And thank um, you for having me on last week, Melanie. Oh, of course. Job of, of course. My thank goodness. That was uh, fun and very informative. Um, so yeah, so actually that was uh, Jean's question. Jean in French is spelled uh, John. Anyway, John and J-E-A-N uh, is pronounced John in French. So I just want to let you know that that was Jean's question. But I want to go to Jean because she said something else. So Jean, can you just um, pick, up the, pick up the phone and talk to us a sec? So my question I had put in the chat was, as a follow-up, was with John Kerry uh, leading the brigade now coming up for climate change. Uh, what do you think about Rotarians approaching the nuke subject via climate change? Because if a nuke bomb goes off, as Arthur said, we're all back in the Stone Age and the Ice Age. Definitely, um, we can we can approach that, and also with the with the United Nations, because Rotary does hold two seats at UNESCO, and we're the only non-government organization that does hold any seats at the United Nations in any any form. And Rotary just um, about a year and a half, almost two years ago now, they just hired a fellow by the name of Fergal McCarthy. He's from Ireland and uh, he has a PhD in peace and conflict resolution. He's worked for the Irish government um, and he's in charge of Rotary um, peace coordination. And so he deals with um, the Peace Builder Clubs, the Rotary Action Group for Peace, the Institute for Economics and Peace, the Peace Corps, and how all of these organizations um, work together and how ro Rotarians from, from any walk of life can plug into any of these organizations. But he's also very plugged into the Rotary at the United Nations. He's, not only do we have two seats at the UN in Geneva, we have representatives at every United Nations office around the world. So we have um, influence with the United Nations. And I think to bring up the discussion on nuclear disarmament, the United Nations is the way we, we need to do it. And I believe, you know, um, now that we 
uh, don't have somebody that's talking about pulling out of the United Nations like he pulls out of World Health Organization and everything else. We have, we have a voice that, that can be heard. And I think we need, those of us who are Rotarians, need to keep the pressure on um, the people at Rotary International Headquarters in Evanston to, to make these statements and put forth these arguments about uh, the horrificness of, of nuclear weapons and, and the need to eliminate them. Well said, yes, exactly, exactly. We can all do that. So, yeah, and it's interesting how it seems like we're constantly trying to get someone else to do the right, you know, the sensible thing that's good for all of us. Um, and uh, it's, but, but just remember, recognize that we all have power, we all can do something. And so sometimes it feels like, oh, I have to beg and plead. And we really don't. We don't have to beg and plead. We can make things happen without doing that. You know, we have the power to change things. And the difference you make is taking an action, doing something to make it go towards, you know, peace or, um, you know, banning wep nuclear weapons and things like that. So yeah. So this has been wonderful. We've had we've had great Q and A. We have. Um, we're going to go back to uh, Arthur right now. And Arthur, take it away. Yes, and if any of you have questions, go ahead and uh, raise your hand there. We can always stop. Uh, first of all, I, I, I love what Barbara said, too. And uh, Barbara said, Doc, seven times. So, Barbara, I'm going to take you up on that because uh, I asked Barbara if the Rotary, you know, our, our film, uh, The World is My Country, we now have a little more time for this. Our film is going to be on public broadcasting stations across the country. And it's now been moved to happen Earth Month in April. Uh, we've got great new opportunities for that. It looks like it could be out on the World Channel, and it looks like it would have got lost in, in December with the, with, the, with, the, with the programming for uh, Christmas and the holidays, and it was sort of short, short time to really build up getting uh, sponsors aboard. We want to get more sponsors at the beginning who, whose names will be mentioned and who will uh, do little promo spots. You know, this program brought to you by... Um, and. Uh, uh, and, and I'd ask Barbara, well, what about the Rotary E-Club? Uh, would they be uh, brought to you by them? And uh, I'll, first, for first, first of, the, of the answers was, well, not, may not be appropriate for them. Some people felt it wouldn't be. But let me ask you, Mike, specifically, uh, we did ask NETA if, uh, you know, Rotary clubs, Rotary uh, organization, Rotary groups for peace, Rotary Action Group for Peace, or any of these different Rotary things could be uh, sponsors, and they said, yes, that would meet their guidelines. Uh, do you have any ideas for how we could reach out to encourage, and would it be possible within the Rotary framework to have uh, uh, Rotary, Rotary's people listed at the beginning as this program brought to you by? This would be a, a question to bring to uh, some of the Rotary leadership to find out how best to go about this, because um, there is a defined protocol as, as far as this goes. I remember when I had a a peace conference. Um, Rotary does grants and um, usually on a humanitarian basis, whether it be for, you know, this, of course it's the six coming up seven areas of focus, they have to include one of those. Um, I think this might come under the education area, um, but we would need to get the parameters. It's a very complex um, process for the global grants uh, to get them through. And um, a lot of hoops you have to, to jump through, but the people we could, we could check with, and, and it's a tie. I mean, how, how soon are you looking for them? Well, what we're looking for, you know, it starts with, well, first of all, the people could just be mentioned, their club mentioned in the, in the opening script there for, for 1,000, for 5,000, they can mm -hmm. get their name read, their logo, a website. And for 25, they can have a little 15-second spot at the beginning talking about their work or what they're doing. Uh, but uh, uh, we're, we're looking, we, I'd say that we need to, uh, in the next uh, month or so, you know, now, now that the thing's going to be in April, we really have to definitely wrap, the, the, the film has to be all finished with any changes that go up in it, uh, you know, before Christmas, I would say. Uh, but we do have a little <laughs> more time now to get some more people aboard. And maybe, maybe it's not going to the Rotary Club officially, but rather... Uh, working together with you, Barbara, and others to find who are the individuals with businesses and so on who would love to get
get added to this. Uh, you know, we're, we're uh, while it'd be wonderful to be the Rotary Clubs, if there are any uh, uh, hoops that need to be jumped through, uh, if a Rotary Club can do it, even our Rotary Club here in La Mission would probably, you know, they would probably donate a thousand to be listed. But uh, let me uh, let me ask you that to help figure us out. Out is that something that's permissible, and if so, can we do it? Um, I believe they could do it. Um, it. It's it's way too short of a time frame for grants because um, global grants, of course, they're much larger too. They're thirty thousand up to several million, but but the time frame is is a year or more to get everything because there's a lot of requirements that you have to meet on this. So <clears throat> on an individual basis, I think, um, like I said, I'm going to send the, the link to the movie out to our Peace Builder Clubs. We have 35 here in, in our district up in uh, Northern Oregon and Southwestern Washington and put a little um, notation on the note I sent out if they can help support. Uh, That's a wonderful idea, uh, Mike, to do it that way. And um, Arthur, I think that he's right about your timeline. Your timeline's too short to work with Rotary, but there are so many other ways out there. Just you're so, make yourself irresistible, you know? Just start talking to everybody and make yourself a magnet that they wanna help you rather than asking them to help you. Step in their path. Um, maybe I could put you up on Peace Podcast too. I wanna do Mike also. Um, I, my Peace Magazine just came out. You know. Keep talking. I, I do everything I can for peace. And everybody now calls me peace because that's who I am. My, I'm, peace is my middle name. And you're Gary Davis and Melanie have so much to offer. It just make yourself irresistible in a way that you step in their path. I remember Oprah saying, I don't want people to tell me who I should like or what I should do. I want to find them. I want them to step in my path. So that's the other method. Not only do you have to do it seven times, but you have to step in their path. What are they doing every day? Are they watching the news? Get on that little, get, do something that's in their path. Make it. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll look forward to Mike and you helping me get in their path, especially for, you know, there must be, there's so many Rotarians who have uh, uh, small businesses and other things who could probably easily jump aboard as sponsors. And, you know, and it's a great way to reach the demographic of people who are interested in uh, products that are, you know, orient toward toward lifestyle change and toward a positive future environment and so on. I was going to say the part about Gary is what one person can do. That's the, that's the empowerment from the Gary movie. You know, these people who say, oh, let somebody else do it. Well, they are. They're going to do it. And I might even do it wrong if you let somebody else do it. So you have to be that vision that brings it to the world. I think we have to take our power back is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think now Absolutely. Yay. Yes. yes. <laughs> Any more questions? Yes, there's one in the chat. Evan, do you want to say it or shall we read it? Yeah, well, I, I'm just, uh, uh, you know, the 75th anniversary of the UN is a wonderful opportunity for Rotary to celebrate its uh, uh, very uh, important contribution to the founding of the UN. I'm wondering is there any commemoration in the works? Well, we just did our 75th anniversary with the UNA and we gave Andra Ambassador Chaudhry the Robert Mueller Peace Prize. I always say if you give somebody a prize then you're bringing attention to something and we were trying to bring Ambassador Chaudhry into the limelight for all the peace work he's done since he's been at the UN. And um, so we gave the first Robert Mueller Peace Prize to Ted Turner because Ted Turner did CNN after Robert suggested that he do world news. Anyway, uh, if you go to unasb.org, if you're in the mood, you can watch our 75th anniversary event, and it's beautiful, unasb.org. But you have to keep doing things and not be quiet. I mean, but think about what you're going to say. Another thing, too, you have to, and I'm telling you this from the public relations that I learned from Edward Bernays, if you find somebody doing what you want, if you find somebody writing an editorial in the newspaper, having a commentary on Democracy Now! or on PBS, send them a note immediately. Why do they give you the hashtag? You're supposed to respond. Hashtag, hashtag, whatever that hashtag is, send them a note and say, right on, you did it right. Now, you could have remembered this when you said that. You know, just tell them what you want. Put the words in their mouth. And Arthur, if you can, um, there's a way we could uh, get the younger generation to join us on our podcast. Um, 
thing that comes to my mind is Rotary Peace Fellows. We now have four, over 1,400 of them working around the world. And they're so dynamic. And, you know, the younger generation has the techniques, has the tools as to how to work around the internet for things like, um, you know, GoFundMe sites and things like that to raise money. Um, these people really know, you know, I'm a dinosaur when it comes to working on computers and I'm lucky if you know, my screen does go blank halfway through the uh, podcast sometimes. But You're uh, so funny. <laughs> <laughs> but the, these young people have so, so much. But he's right. Amazing. My, my Andrus, who came in as an intern, now just got an award from UNA USA for being a leader because I nurtured him. You can't expect a young person just to be what you want him to be. You've got to nurture him. You've got to mentor them and encourage them and ask them to do something that you can't do because they love to help you. We can certainly, certainly Greta is a marvelous example of young people leading the way and a little child shall lead them as it said. So uh, I think that is so, so, so key to bring in more young people. And I'd love to uh, collaborate with you and others to do that because uh, the, the audiences that get most excited about our film, The World Is My Country, are the young people. Even though he's an old guy on stage, you saw how excited the, 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 the multicultural audience we had right there were, the diversity rocks kids. And, uh, you know, it's, a, uh, it's, uh, it's something that young people just feels naturally. Well, of course, uh, you know, why, how could the world be any different? Of course, we're all connected. You know, we're all, <laughs> we, we, the borders don't mean much to the young people. So uh, they're key people to get the story out to. So, yes, let's work on that. And you can even ask them how they think they should get it out there. We can't tell them what they should think. You know, I ask questions all the time. What do you think we should do? Absolutely. All right. Good. Well, that is terrific. Uh, any other last questions before we maybe uh, uh, wrap it up by telling, yeah, John's got another one. Uh, just to say that uh, in the last 12 months, Colin and I went to the biggest mass meeting, fully peaceful in Australia's history. Uh, I must write the details down. I think it was something like 40,000 people in the Sydney domain, uh, but spread, and that was started and chaired by a 14 year old girl from my old high school, who by, which happens to be by chance to be the oldest public school in Australia, a school called Fort Street High School. Uh, but uh, uh, global citizenship is, uh, or world citizenship, is the key aim of that and uh, there's a document in Australia called Global Perspectives which uh, asks every teacher in every subject to make sure that every lesson is consistent with global perspectives. So anyway there's a couple of wow. points there. Uh, so unbelievable things are happening and uh, at that uh, school by the way an annual prize now is given for global citizenship supported by the group that I work with called World Citizens, World Citizens Association of Australia. Uh, anyway, that's enough from me. <laughs> that, is, that is fantastic. He has that association, the World Citizens, did you know that? Uh, WCAA.org.au or worldcitizens.org.au. Uh, I think it's certainly time to, to bring that concept back. Young people are ready. Uh, many of the papers at the time said that Gary Davis was uh, 50 years ahead of his time. And I think the time is, is, is very ripe now for this kind of a, of a message. Uh, but before we close, uh, uh, I do want to oh, just say to everyone that this was so special, Mike, to have you on. And I want to give you a chance to kind of give us maybe a last word before we sign off. And again, to uh, salute you for giving me an even uh, much better overview of, of Rotary's connection to peace and how we're part of something really important and exciting here. And, and so if we, thought, if we thought eradicating war was, I mean, eradicating polio was huge, that we're down to only two more countries, I can't wait to the day we're saying, oh my God, we've made war out illegal and, and it's really, it's, it's gone all over the world. There are two little places where it's left, but we're just about to eradicate war. <laughs> so what do you, go ahead, Mike, if you want to give us any closing comment. That's my closing comment. <laughs> um, just to thank you for having me on. And <clears throat> I know one thing I didn't get to touch on too much was what Peace Builder Clubs do, what we've done since we started them here in District 5100. 
And it's, it's such a broad range from anywhere from planning peace polls to planning events for like uh, Martin Luther King Day, um, Earth Day, uh, International uh, UN Peace Day. Uh, we've done um, district grants with uh, Peace Villages, which trains um, children from six to 13 year old students uh, about uh, uh, how to solve problems nonviolently um, and how to work towards anti-bullying. And we've had global grants. Uh, we just uh, got approval for one with the Rotary Club in Nepal for fighting violence against women to have workshops to train women how to um, learn how to express their rights and to implement um, the rules that they have already in the country and how they can uh, learn how to demand what is justly theirs. So it's um, a very, very broad realm, almost anything you can think of. Uh, and I'll mention Rotary's areas of focus. They all fit under the umbrella of peace. If you're working to prevent disease, if you're working to help women and children and to um, you know, eradicate hunger, and build communities. It's all, these are all uh, goals which, which fall under um, making it a more peaceful world. Getting rid of the nuclear weapons is <laughs> one of the paramount items also. So thank you very much. Terrific. And uh, what's that uh, website for the Peace Builder Club, clubs? Um, actually, it's just District 5100 Peace Builder Clubs. We don't really have a website right now. Uh, we just have a, um, a a point on our district website, which is uh, isrotary4u.org. I-S-R-O-T-A-R-Y, the number four, and the letter U. Very cool. All right. Thank you so much for joining us on the People Powered Planet podcast, and we will see you next week. World citizen, lift up your voices. Oh, you know we got something to say. All we need is the same directions, heading in one way. One way.